one of your hosts. Corinne was at PNBA, the Pacific Northwest Booksellers Association trade show in Seattle, so she is sadly not here. But instead, we have Jessica Clark, who is here to help map the frontier between traditional and indie publishing with me. Uh, Jessica works in print production at a local company. Um, Jessica, can you please tell us what your title is and a little more about what you do? Yeah, uh, so I am a print production coordinator. Uh, So essentially, I deal with the manufacturing of the actual books. So I don't see much of the front end. Everything I do deals with the physical product and the sourcing of materials and all the all the stuff that editors are terrified to even think about. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> costing sheets. I'm the one that gets you your your quotes and helps you decide on specs and and tells you you can't do things. Well, it's more gentle than that. <laughs> okay, well, we'll get into that okay. later. But first, um, we're gonna do our fun stories. Oh yeah, totally. In the in the publishing, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about the hot goss first. Mm. That's what we do here. Right on. I don't know how fun this hot goss is um, because this is such an upsetting topic, but you know, you got to always find a silver lining. Um, All of the Kavanaugh hearings this week, um, there was one element that us, uh, that we as book publishing people, I don't know, I found this super interesting. You may have also, but um, the fact that they were questioning Kavanaugh on things from a book written by one of his friends that used a very poor like renaming of him then they called him instead of Brett Kavanaugh they called him Bart O. Kavanaugh that's super clever yeah good anonymous name (laughs) I believe the the um the person asking him was like is this you and he goes you'll you'll have to ask Mark (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you know, hey, we have the same last name. We just we hung out all the time and change change two letters, and yeah, it's totally not me. Why would you think that? So I got curious about the book. Obviously, um, I my embarrassing admission. I am completely willing to tell people that I read reverse harem books, obviously, mm-hmm. and that I love true crime and murder and all of these things. And now that I'm comfortable talking about romance, mm-hmm. I still have things that I'm uncomfortable talking about. So I'm going to come out right now and say I have a weird thing for addiction memoirs. Okay. Um, <laughs> I do not relate, but cool. Nobody does. Um, I don't know. I think it's whenever I have, you know, w- have had a really bad hangover, I always go, what it if the worst? What if this were me? <laughs> <laughs> this is the road you could go down. I guess that's how people like used to view morality plays back mm. in like the Renaissance or medieval times. It's like, this could be you. The scared straight program. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Watching scared straight, that kind of thing. So I wanted to see how um, I wanted to say Bardo Kavanaugh, but that that's the character's I mean, close, name. Close enough. How the, the author, the person who apparently is going to testify next well. week, because we are all very mature people in america right now this is a super professional process <laughs> and you know the reason that you hear loud circus music in your head whenever you watch anything is because this is a circus yeah um so mark gavro judge i don't know if he gave himself that name or if that is just a rich prissy middle name that is given to him so the story is um the book is called wasted tales of a gen x drunk um i was searching for it and discovered that there are several other books with the title Wasted, which surprisingly I haven't read any of, which I can't believe. You haven't just searched for Wasted books? No, no, they just kind of come to me. Or Benders? (laughs) I don't have to search for them. They just show up. (laughs) It's because Amazon knows everything you're doing. Well, also, BookBub. Do you do BookBub? I know you read eBooks. Yes, okay. but I don't do any of that stuff. Like, I'm very... You don't like mailing lists? No. Oh, that's so nice that you, like, even pay attention to hybrid pubcasts then. Yeah. Pub Scout. I'm cast. selective about what comes into my inbox. Well, uh, BookBub will give you, like, you know what it is. Yeah. We yeah. Are in cl- uh, it, for anyone listening who doesn't know, it's a mailing list that comes to you either every day or every week. 
that gives you a list of books that are highly discounted. They're always ebooks. Um, they're not always Amazon. They also give you the is Kobo even a thing anymore? I think I'm still seeing it, but I haven't opened anything up but a Kindle. I heard that Kobo wasn't updating anymore. I heard being Nook wasn't updating anymore either. Oh, that's a bummer. Isn't that um, weird? Yeah, I mean, not surprising, but... Well, we also, we were about to talk about BNN, and then I kind of got off on this whole, like, Brett Kavanaugh okay. thing, and okay. I was like, oh, well, we'll talk about this instead. Yeah, <laughs> it's topical. <laughs> it is. BNN will fail for a couple more months, at least. This is going on now. Well, I mean, they're, yeah, it, they can be talked about at any point, mm-hmm. which I don't know if you listen to the Book Riot podcast at all. No. At the beginning of practically every episode, they just do a BNN update. Well, I mean, it, it, it's kind of interesting, but it's also going to be a long, slow plane crash instead of... Since about 2016 or before. I think a little before, but yeah, yeah it's it's been in trouble for a while. Yeah. I mean, other than the fact that it was being taken over in the, in the normal sense, yeah, yeah. the self-cannibalizing part yeah. of it is... Yeah. Anyway, so I finally found this. It was uh, published in 1997 by Hazelden Publishing, which is uh, the publishing company of the Betty Ford Center. So it's a nonprofit publishing company that is completely um, based on healing from addiction. So these are more um, instructing people about why they should... Um, it, it, it's less the salacious, terrible stuff that I like to read. Um, the best example I can give you of the terrible things that I enjoy is, um, Kat Marnell's How to Ruin Your, uh, not Ruin, How to Murder Your Life. Oh. Um, she was a, oh crap. She literally wrote an article for this, um, website that was popular a few years ago that was like, I just take plan B all the time. (laughs) So she was on Adderall, like oh. her whole thing is about Adderall. Oh, and cool, cool. Um, Okay, yeah, uh, you have a better memory for things and details than I do, because um, <laughs> I have missed all of that, but it doesn't surprise it was, me. I mean, I guess it, it, like it was a bestseller, but it wasn't something that every single person was reading. It wasn't like Fates and Furies or, um, you know, those yeah. big literary fiction books that it's like, oh, you have to read this because... Well, and and as soon as I start hearing that, I am very unlikely to read it. You're one of those. I'm one of those. You're like, oh, this is popular. Sort of, yeah. I just don't like feeling uh, peer pressured into reading something. It's just, uh, I don't know, tell me to watch a show and it could be one that I really want to watch. And I'll be like, yeah, I'm not going to do it anymore. And then like four years later. I'll get to it eventually (laughs) if it's something that I really want to do. I just will not do it if I start feeling like you're putting me on a timeline to do it. (laughs) It's like, is our friendship at stake? Yeah. (laughs) Then no. Yeah. Like, does this really matter to you? Um, No. Then I'm just, I'm just going to wait it out. We'll be good. Well, it'll be fine. I'll just, I'll just nod at you while you talk about it and be like, that's really interesting. Yeah, it's on my list. If you're telling me all about it, why should I watch it? Oh, well, and that's my other thing. I, I love spoilers, so I'm just going like, to... Oh. I love spoilers. Mm. So I look them up. It doesn't ruin any of the experience of actually reading or watching the thing. You're not the only person that I know who has done that. It's it's funny. I know two people who share an office, and the one person loves spoilers, and the one person hates spoilers. And the person who hates spoilers... Um, recently ran out of the office and came and sat in my office and I was like do you do we what's what's up do we need to talk about a book or something and she was like no she's just talking about spoilers for this book I haven't finished yet no I I love them I look them up I think it's awesome it I don't know it's kind of like a peek behind the curtain for me Mm. for some really weird reason where I'm like "Ooh, I know what's coming up and I want to see how they do it do you um, think it's anxiety related at all? It's definitely control related. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't like being surprised by stuff. So I'm going to do my research and know about it before it happens. Know thyself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally understand it. I know why. Um, but it, it really, it, I still get the same amount of enjoyment out of 
all of the you know movies and surprise twists like I, I don't feel like I'm being shortchanged mm-hmm. and I don't also have to do all of the work to avoid spoilers because they're everywhere right so I feel like most of the time I'm okay with them but every once in a while I'm just r- that's why if it's really important to me I'll try to see it first yeah because I don't want to go out of my way to avoid them because yeah. I'm on Twitter all the time and you get everything spoiled for you if you are one of those people. So if something comes out, I try to see it like on the first night if I actually care about spoilers. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I'm like, yeah, I deserve this. <laughs> yeah, I uh, no, I, I like spoilers. I enjoy them. Um, so odds are I probably know about everything you're telling me already anyway, because I've looked it up. Hot topics. Yeah. Yeah. Controversial. Speaking of which, let me continue with what I found. <laughs> Um, about Tales of Vagenix Drunk. So um, this is a very well-meaning publishing company, um, which is, you know, great. I, uh, for a minute, when I first saw it, the way that the cover looked, I said, oh, is this a 1990s self-published book? Because Ooh. that's something special. That would be really something interesting to I find. I kind of wish it were, but I don't know. I don't know at what level... I've heard of Hazel Dunn, so I know Mm -hmm. that they're not nonsense, but at the same time, their priority is probably how helpful something is rather than how well written something is. They have a specific goal in mind. There was only one review on Amazon that was before like two weeks ago. And there were hundreds of reviews, obviously. Obviously. I mean, that's, that's how it works, right? Everybody flocks to whatever it is to support or burn whatever it is yeah and most of them were like one star and they were like testify you coward (laughs) (laughs) there was one that was um five stars and it said i stand with brett kavanaugh judge kavanaugh is a fine upstanding man nothing wrong with knocking back a few cold ones i'm an old booze hound myself yep that is definitely the thing that you want to write about yourself on the internet (laughs) he this man loaded his photo to Amazon for his reviews. Oh, those are the best when they take a picture of themselves and are like, yes, this is me. I stand by what I say. his full name is Foster Scott Devine. Like, Hmm. first, middle, and last name on Amazon for his Amazon reviews in which he says, I'm an old booze hound myself. Like, I mean, yeah. 31 people found this helpful. You know, it is. It is helpful in many ways. It tells you a lot about the the writer and where we currently stand in the proceedings. Yeah, how how it's respect, helpful. How much self respect we have. Okay, so there was just one um, user review made in 1999. Actually, I believe when Amazon was just getting its wings. You definitely know more about the yeah. birth of them than I do. Yeah. This book is wonderful. Mark tells of his own battle with alcoholism and his determination to become so sober. He gives good insight on the root of alcoholism. His recovery alone is inspiration for anyone to believe that they can, they too can be sober. A must read for anyone who is trying to overcome an addiction. 93 people found this helpful. So pure. Isn't yeah, that so that's, pure? Well, that's a, that's a real review. Like yeah. that's, that's a legitimate review and that was the only one before this month right yeah because nobody would pick that book up if it wasn't tied to politics exactly um so i found a new yorker article from a couple of days ago um and it it quoted the single review that that was in the new york times and i think it's because um mark judge has written other books um that have been more popular in our any book and stuff like that most Mm -hmm. of them are about addiction apparently he is now a christian writer who writes about like sobriety etc okay um i actually know you know very tangentially a couple people who like his work oh cool um and think that it's really helpful so interesting Cool. Um, but it did not get a good review from the New York Times. Oh, really? <laughs> when it came out. Well, that's always kind of hit and miss. Um, yeah. Quality so, wise. So, okay, let me. I found the review. Okay. And it said, um, "Mark Gavro Judge has written a naive, earnest book that might have been subtitled 'I Was a Teenage Alcoholic' if it weren't so well naive and earnest." 
which you know is kind of snooty new york times oh yeah that's typical yeah, that's, that's right in line with how they speak yeah which uh, yeah exactly that's like most everyone else he alternated between deception and rebellion in school and recounts the obligatory run-ins with the nuns he stole pens and later priests he dressed up as a priest and tried to cover someone's house with toilet paper I mean, that just sounds like teenage hijinks. Yeah. This is well-traveled territory, and Judge's writing does not allow for any interesting detours. In the end, uh, skipping a bunch of stuff, in the end, Wasted does stand as a cautionary tale, not necessarily for alcoholics, but for anyone who wants to write about alcoholism. Ooh. 1997. Oh, that was actually... That was when it came out before all... So this was the original Okay, so that's not politically motivated. No, that's that's just snooty. That's just snooty New York Times stuff. Yeah, yeah. But the New Yorker said, uh, this is the, the title of the article is Good Luck Finding a Copy of Mark Judge's Wasted Tales of a Gen X Drunk. I couldn't imagine it's in print. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I found the publishing relevant paragraph mm-hmm. here. Is, so how many copies of Wasted are there and where have they gone? A representative for Hazelden Publishing, the nonprofit that released the book in 1997, said he did not know offhand what the initial print uh, print run of the book was but we can make an educated guess i would think that selling a few thousand copies of a self-help book like that would be a reasonable success for a small press like that reasonable success keywords there at least from my experience a publisher of a major new york imprint said that might be optimistic mm-hmm. a nielsen book scan sales report reveals that 80 sales of wasted have been recorded to date which is data speak for since the book was published that number, however, is likely misleading since BookScan, which tracks for an estimated 70 to 85% of book uh, retailers in the U.S., launched in 2001, and the sales tracking for small presses in the early days of BookScan may have been spotty, according to industry sources. Yeah. And I love how when I read that paragraph, I just kept going, but, oh, okay, they said it. But, 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 oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so that's like completely well within my understanding. Yeah, yeah. I would say they printed no more, like, guesstimating. Definitely no more than 2,000 copies. Um, I mean, it's, I mean, that's. Well, and any less than that, you're wasting money, right? Yeah, yeah. You're, you yeah. would know. Basically, yeah, basically. <laughs> um, the, I mean, short print runs you can do in different formats and stuff, but in 97, they didn't really have digital printing, so... Um, and we'll get into that yeah. soon after I just read a couple more Amazon reviews Ooh, yeah, and totally. then we'll be done. <laughs> let's keep going. <laughs> so let's see. I did the fun old booze hound one. That was my favorite. Um, mostly just the title of this one uh, is pretty fun. These are all obviously September of 2018. Certain men, like Mark and Brett, should be struck regularly like gongs. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> Yeah. Let's see. So, uh, obviously, I don't need to read the rest of that. But a lot of the other ones were, other than just saying, like, you cowards, testify, mm-hmm. were very angry um, alcoholic people who had gone through the 12 steps. There was one woman uh, who posted and said, maybe it's time to review step nine and the 12 steps of recovery. And she copy pasted the entirety of step nine from the 12 steps because google does not work well i mean when you're when you're righteously angry about something you gotta reiterate um there was another one traditions 10 and 11 if he was working in aa program judge would know better than to break his anonymity on the level of press radio and film he is not an example of what to do through the steps, one takes responsibility, makes amends, and through action, cleans up the mess alcoholism creates. Which, like, so so I get that. I get the whole you're not supposed to talk about it or, you know, be anonymous. Um, which is, I mean, it is very important. I understand that. However, there is something to be said for... Writing an alcoholism memoir to try writing, to help other people. Yeah, um, yeah and it, it's his anonymity... Mm-hmm. it's not like he was like oh and I was also in the program with you know but I think that's the thing I I don't know maybe the person is talking about other people who had been in the program I don't know oh, right. but I doubt it right. because it was recent I think it's more just like angry that 
he was so bad at concealing other people's names. I mean, apparently. I mean, there is also that. I'm, you know, it's it, there's a certain level of diligence that should go into writing something to preserve people's not, you know, anonymity. Yeah. Oh God, I can't say that word. But <laughs> you guys know what she's gonna say. You know, <laughs> staying anonymous. Yeah. Uh, you add extra syllables and it becomes unpronounceable for me. Um, but it's it's a give and take kind of a situation, and he exposed nope not gonna continue with that one i'm gonna uh, say he exposed himself but i was like nope that's well not. i mean probably he i think <laughs> that's part of the problem isn't it <laughs> yeah it is but he you know named himself and it's himself it's like himself he's it's his thing so i i understand both sides and because we can't read it we can't really say whether or not he was exposing people who were in the program with him right right yeah i i have nothing to base this on because um, no one can ever find this book again yeah i probably not you never <laughs> know though it might become very popular on ebay oh, or well no that's that was the whole thing let me look at this uh, new york Times, not new york times uh, new yorker article again it said the last known available copy of the memoir in the U.S. available on the internet. They capitalized internet. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, I New mean, Yorker. I thought they changed that in the in the manual well, style. We'll, we'll go into this. Maybe in not the AP manual. Okay. Um, on the internet, sold Friday afternoon for eight hundred and fifty dollars. Holy sh- Right. That is too much for a hate buy. <laughs> no. I don't care. How. I don't know. Maybe it was one of his friends. And it wasn't too much for a hate buy. That, that's just too much money for a paperback book. According to eBay, the listing for the 250-page memoir... That's a that's, long book. ...was getting 71 views per hour before a seller named Lostabet... <laughs> Lostabet received a winning bid. Searches of bookseller databases, including Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books, Go- Google, and dozens of other sites, turned up only one other listing via bookfinder.com on Amazon store in France for a bargain price of $226. I mean, if you really want it. Better than 850 mm-hmm. But even that was a dead end, as clicking through to the actual listing takes the users to a page missing a buy button. Oh, mm-hmm. they're just driving traffic at that point. Haha, <laughs> ha, we got your clicks. <laughs> Those extra 10% of a penny. <laughs> your ad blocker's on, though, so there's no point. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I just thought that was pretty interesting. We're going to see how this pans out. Oh, okay, yeah. He has ebooks including A Tremor of Bliss, Sex, Catholicism, and Rock and Roll, which was number 1,340 on Amazon on Friday evening. That's the biggest seller. And there's another one called Damn Senators, My Grandfather and the Story of Washington's Only World Series Championship. Damn Senators. Damn Senators. Anyway, so let's talk. Let's stop talking about this because if we go any further, we're going to get upset. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what article did you bring to discuss, oh, Jessica? So, so mine... Um, I guess, yeah, it is It is still a little political, but uh, basically um, the tariffs that were discussed about, you know, oh, Canada is ripping us off and blah, blah, blah. And so we need to tax them and add tariffs. And Not and everyone might know about that, though. Oh, okay. Well, um, well, I think it's been discussed in the news that, that the United States is raising tariffs on everything that they think they can raise tariffs on. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those was paper coming in from Canada. Um, which I mean, on the surface might seem like a good idea, but it was, it's like super not a good idea um, <laughs> Why not? for, yeah, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is that the United States, uh, doesn't produce enough print, enough paper, um, and pulp and corrugate, um, cardboard kind of stuff for United, you know, the needs of the U S printers and everything else. So it would have like tanked the book publishing book printers and all kinds of other you know like every like domestic yeah hey you like your you like your amazon boxes well guess what (laughs) now you're gonna get amazon shrink wrap yeah you can't (laughs) because it's cost too much to get the box that's that's where a lot of this is coming from is just there's not a whole lot of paper left i'm i'm saying this in like huge massive ton you know tonnage but paper is hard to get a hold of because everybody likes buying uh cardboard 
cardboard makes more money than paper. So when they were like, oh, we're going to tear, you know, we're going to raise the tariff on paper. People were like, oh, no, (laughs) (laughs) this is going to be really bad for, you know, publishers and printers and all kinds of stuff. So is paper and cardboard kind of lumped into the same thing? so, So a paper mill will take the pulp and then they run it through, you know, the the process and uh-huh. come up with a million different, you know, grammages and paper weights and thicknesses and right. finishes. But they could also, like, take that and turn that into cardboard. Hmm. Cardboard is more expensive. Hmm. It sells more. So, yeah. it's, so you know, so the, the mills look at it like, well, you know, I could make a million dollars with this paper or I could make three million dollars in the same amount of time for cardboard. So let's see. I'm going to make cardboard. <laughs> How does this work? Um, <laughs> so it's, you know, there there's just, and as mills um, across the United States is what I'm aware of specifically, but mills are closing um, and mm-hmm. consolidating. And so there are fewer options and fewer ways for the consumers to keep the price of raw materials down. Because, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, because when it's like, oh, well, there's only two paper mills left, which is <laughs> part of what this this article that i brought in um that's um tariffs on canadian paper products dumped yes so they're not doing tariffs because when the idea was floated there was only one company one american paper mill that said canadian paper is destroying our industry you know like canadian paper is running us out of business oh and that Um, was a pacific northwest company wasn't it yes however they're one of the only paper mills in the U.S. So what they were <laughs> we really, got all the trees. <laughs> yeah. So really, what they were trying to do is drive all business heat to themselves in favor of tariff. Like it's not. It's pretty transparent, or like was, not transparent, but like obvious. It was. It was. They were definitely trying to game the system, um, <laughs> and and get themselves more business. They're trying to like capitalize on that America first thing. Yes. Yes. By far. So we're not doing tariffs. And that's awesome because it means that we can continue for the time being to get a fair amount of paper and, you know, printing and making all of the beautiful books that people love uh, without having to, like, pass the costs on to consumers, which, because it's hard to get people to buy more expensive books. Yes. Um, and I, I struggle with buying expensive books. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's where we're heading, though. Um, I can say that, you know, like, paper's getting more and more expensive. The raw materials to make the books that everybody likes to buy at, like, ten ninety nine. you know. Yeah. It's, it's getting harder to find, and it's getting more expensive, and it's taking longer to print. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are fewer mills producing the paper. There are fewer printers printing the books. Yes. Um, so... So while the content, there's more and more titles every year, mm-hmm. there's a lot more competition to make those into physical books. A lot more demand on these yes. few printers. Yes. Um, and there is. And it's it's a challenging aspect of book publishing and manufacturing specifically that people don't realize, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of people don't think about it. Yeah. Yeah. There's just paper is everywhere. You can get paper, no problem. But yeah. Can't you just recycle it and make it into the same thing? Well, I mean, I could talk to you about recycling paper, but uh, I don't think that's... uh, (laughs) I mean, I kind of want to know, but maybe we should just talk about it after because I don't want to bore everybody. It's totally like specific and not interesting um, in the way that... Is there any way to sum up that idea that like you can just recycle the paper and make new paper with it? Yeah, totally. Uh, when you recycle it, you shred it up, and then you make it new paper, but those fibers get shorter and shorter, and so your paper gets weaker and weaker. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That was a good summary. <laughs> yeah, so you can't you can't recycle things forever, mm-hmm. because eventually it'll be too small to make into more paper. Sorry, I just kind of, my eyes drifted away because I was thinking about how as you age, your DNA strands get shorter. It's, it's basically like that, yeah. That's so depressing. Right. But metaphorical and and also I'm uh, existential crisis. (laughs) You just, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's good. But no, you can't just keep recycling paper because the quality drops. And that is, uh, but yay, no tariffs. (laughs) Yay. So, and everyone lived happily ever after for now. For now. (laughs) For now. All right, Jessica. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about your background and oh, yeah. All right. So obvious question. How did you get into publishing? Oh, because I was super cliched and like love books. Isn't that sort of. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I do. I love books. Um, I think stories are awesome. It 
was something that I had always been, you know, as a kid, like, what do you want to be? And it's like, oh, I want to be an editor and I want to go to the big fancy meetings and make the big decisions. And I think that's something that separates you, though, because you said, I want to go to the big fancy meetings. Oh, yeah. A lot of editors, people who wanted to be editors as a kid that I talked to were like, I want to sit in a big comfy chair with a cat and a a cup of tea. Oh, no, no. My (laughs) my vision of the kind of editor I wanted to be was always much more like uh, Sandra Bullock in the. Oh, the 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 wedding. No. Um, oh well now that we can't think of the title where she pretends to be dating that guy yes her assistant where she pretends her assistant is crap okay I have to look it up um yeah so that was always the kind of editor that I envisioned myself being as maybe one (laughs) (laughs) so you could marry your assistant (laughs) uh more so I could like wear super fancy suits and uh be like in charge the proposal the proposal yes so I have (laughs) always wedding date is the one with with um, Deborah Deborah Messing, Messing. which is also a solid movie (laughs) um but yes so I I that was always the kind of editor that I wanted to be um and I I I got there eventually sort of oh um I mean not editor wise but I you refined your vision yeah oh of course once I found out after the military who wanted to be editors sort of after the military and doing a logistics um I wanted to be creative so publishing is great for that so you were in the military yes uh I was uh four years I did um the army officer program through college so they paid for my schooling um and so I did four years in logistics for the military uh got out and continued doing logistics as a civilian um working in shipping and handling for a year as a supervisor and realized that this was not for me um just because I had been doing a job like that doesn't mean that oh you can't like that's <laughs> this it is what you, this, this is it. the first thing you did so it's <laughs> what you do for the rest yeah. of your life yeah oh god so I uh I had moved at that point up here to Portland and I was looking for other options and I found the book publishing program um through Portland State that's how we met I met and uh, saw that it didn't require a whole bunch of uh, GRE tests. Right. And, um, <laughs> That's part of why I the, did it too. The entrance was fairly straightforward. And so I applied and got in and did it in a year. And um, while I was there, realized that I absolutely did not want to be an editor. Beyond the um, difficulty in getting a steady job. Yes. Um, I, I know I'm not interested in like freelancing um, for my career. Right. You know, like I, I, I want some s- stability and regularity. Well, you want to be part of like a business. A business, too. yes. I do want to be in charge someday, um, <laughs> uh, and in charge of people, not just in charge of me. So and in charge of learning about spoilers. You know, yeah. Uh, you gotta, you gotta be able to to do it for yourself. What is your sign, Virgo? Oh, it's, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that yeah, makes sense. It was just my birthday. Yeah, I'm yeah. a Virgo. Happy birthday. Um, thank you. You celebrated with me. It was I, awesome. I know. I was there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we learned how to cook. Um, it was I fantastic. It. Oh, well, I learned things. The 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 lady who was um, leading our class kept pointing at my head and going, cook it until it looks like her hair. That's true. Her her examples weren't great. I was a little like self-conscious about that. Her, but it's her fine. examples weren't great, but I think we did all right as a group. Yeah. I had a great time. Anyway, so we're talking about how you want to be in charge someday. We're talking yes. about how okay. you went to the school. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So um, I wanted to be, I went in thinking I would be an editor. And then I took my first editing class and realized that I did not care enough about commas, commas and <laughs> sentence structure and all of the little things that editors pay attention to. Um, I, I, I kind of enjoyed the developmental stuff, the bigger picture stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and being able to say, you know, Hey, this, this pacing, big picture things. Well, and that's why when you, when you first were talking about what you wanted to do, you said, I like storytelling mm-hmm. and yes. I can see that playing into what you're describing right yes, now. Yes, very much. I like, th- I like the stories. I like the storytelling. I like big picture. Um, I really, I really do not care about commas. Um, <laughs> it's, it's hard for me to think about doing that every day as a career. And also that, um, I don't, I didn't really fit in with the editor culture, um, mm-hmm. the way that we were taught. I am a little bit, uh, more direct 
Um, and a, Oh, you um, don't do the compliment sandwich. I don't. Um, I call it a shit sandwich. Um, because <laughs> That's why you're not an editor. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. And, and I understand the psychology behind it. And, you know, like why it's good to like cushion the blow and all of that stuff. But for me, uh, I like to just be direct and get, you know, I'm not going to like tear you down and say you're terrible and your writing is terrible and all of this stuff. But Mm -hmm. I'm not going to also say, well, I think you're awesome. And here are a million problems with your book, but you're doing a, you know, like that (laughs) that seems super insincere for me. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not how I speak. That's not how I interact with people. I'm not like super coddly right Um, but if you take a person um who can do that and then you put them into the job that you have right now that can probably get really confusing for the people that they're trying to work with right so i'm saying like your personality is probably more suited to what you do now than a person who would be editing very much and delivering that kind of information so so i am um as print coordinator um i'm the middleman for a lot of things uh between you know the editors and the printer and um editors and design you know like uh, there there's a lot of information that flows through me and so it's best to just be direct and upfront and uh as simple like simplify things as much as possible so that everybody understands where we're at um and and it works for me. It absolutely works. And it's much more interesting for me to be able to work with the physical objects. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that's really inspired. You know, like I get a lot from the physical book. It, it you know, it's like super cool, and especially the technics technical stuff. Um, so I like the you know, oh, are we going to sew the spine or stitch it or you know, like all the different things that go into making the book. In addition to like, oh, this is what we can do factory wise. And mm-hmm. and so the manufacturing is also very g- important to me and interesting. And I love it. Um, That's great. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's production is <laughs> it exactly really happy where to I want to hear that be. people love that. Yeah. I, I love it. Um, so if you're ever thinking about going into publishing, there, there are opportunities at printers and you, you don't have to throw yourself into the snake pit you don't you don't have to be <laughs> an editor there are other avenues or the lobster bucket or yeah. whatever not to be too jordan peterson yeah. about there it there are other avenues in in publishing that you get to like work with books but not follow the stereotypical path so 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 how did you like make it into your current position um i owe that completely to abby Abby, our uh, graduate um, publisher. Yes, she was the publisher for Uligan Press. um, And I spoke with her several times over the course in the program about how much I was interested in production. Um, Because I learned, I mean, after that first class, I was like, oh, well, got to find something else because I am not. That first class being intro or Um, did you start with editing? No, I started with editing. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So after after that, uh, I knew I was not going to be an editor. Um. But I still wanted to work with books. And I, I realized more that I was interested in the business side of things and the production side of things. So I was talking to her about it because the program doesn't offer a whole lot of that. No. Um, so sh- when she found out about the job opening, she emailed me and said, this is going to be perfect for you. Yeah. And send me your application. And other people who like that would have been perfect for. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely it's it's been great. I've been there for a little over a year now. Mm-hmm. Um, love going into work every day. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's great to love your job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. go figure. So, um, best parts. Best parts. Um, coming up with really creative things, being able to offer a designer a cool treatment or um, like treatment. What does that so, mean? So, so you know, the cover of book uh, covers specifically, but um. Like, oh, is it going to be glossy or is it going to be foiled or, you know, what materials you can use that aren't just paper or, you know, all of the, the like really cool physical stuff about a book. And you work, you work for a company that does more color, customized, yes. illustrated. Yes. That so, kind of stuff. so we do um, graphic novels and comics and art books um, pertaining to graphic novels and art books and video games and <laughs> A lot of color, a lot of, there's a lot of art everywhere. So it's um, color printing. There's a lot of room 
especially with our books to get really creative and make a beautiful package and you know all of that stuff so it's awesome so when a designer comes like hey what cool things can we do to make this a special package um so it's great for a person who loves production to be working at a place where you have so many options yes. and it's not like oh well we're gonna do two <laughs> color because it's cheaper yeah, yeah yeah um yeah it's awesome to to be able to to explore that and be creative and suggest like cool materials or, or processes you know like oh we can do foiling but we can also use um, acetate and burnish it you know all of these very specific specific things that make it fancy what are some of the more like upscale expensive choices that someone who's creating an art book can choose I mean the sky's the limit I really the sky is the limit um, give us some examples of like really really cool stuff that you only do for special occasions um, so we recently completed the uh, printing and design we have advances now but it's not on sale yet for uh the breath of the wild books the zelda books oh like the video game the video game um and it's it's stunning the the designer like made just three gorgeous options um and one get is progressively fancier than the next but we used um a lot of burnishing which is What's where that? you uh heat so you make a stamp a metal stamp and then you stamp like faux leather in this case but it's just the heated plate so and this the, is on the cover yes so it's okay. the on the cover um so the the faux leather is like stamped in and it it's darker and a slightly different texture so that's burnishing it's just a heat stamp cool um and foil oh man it's it's crazy the number of components and there's a map and there's there's just so many different things and textures and we got to go through the specifications for all of it. So and is it that is that paper over board or is that um, a jacket? So so this package is paper over. Well, it's leather over board or like faux leather over board. So that that means like there's a board and then you basically just wrap the cover around yes. it rather than having a like plain board with a book jacket. Yeah. I'm yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't know what that was when I started oh, working in yeah, publishing. Like, What's paper lot of, overboard? Yeah, that's that's the book. That's the book cover is you never see the actual board of it. You see the paper that they stretch it's over. It's like it. the hard covers without the jacket. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. But there, I mean there are so many options you could do and I could talk your ear off about everything that you can do. Um <laughs> Bueller. <laughs> uh so so you know, it it's it's awesome for me to come up with different different ways you can achieve a look the look of a book mm -hmm. and and there are infinite ways you can do that it's just then you also have to have to balance the cost and the sales and whether the market is interested in so what are the biggest pains in the asses for you oh man page count <laughs> changes um, <laughs> it's and i know it's very difficult a book uh gets gets put into costing um, going through the process of approval, whether it's something that we'll, we'll publish or not, um, very early on, uh, a year before it goes to the printer. Um, you know, and the editor comes up with an idea and they're like, oh, this is going to be 200 pages. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. along the way, uh, that often changes. Yes. Um, <laughs> but when it gets tough is when it changes uh, repeatedly and quickly. Um you know, where they'll be like, oh, well, I think it's going to go up a little bit. And then it goes up a lot. Um, because at that point, then we have to, uh, one, recost mm -hmm. and get a new book template and make sure that the measurements are all going to work. Mm -hmm. um, so, so when we get down to a deadline like that, where they're like, you know, because I only find out about it right before it heads <laughs> back out the door. Right. Um, and goes to the actual printer. Right. Uh, things start getting a little crunched um mm -hmm. but i mean that that's that's just a minor pain <laughs> it's not big it's just um, part of the job it's just it, i mean it is it is things change and i understand that it's just it uh if there's a time crunch with the change that's when it gets tough right when people are putting that kind of pressure on you and you're right. like you can't you yeah. literally can't rush art well i mean <laughs> not not just you can't rush art but a lot of our printers are in China and they're on, they're just on a different time clock than we are, you know, like right. 8 a.m. Our time is not when they're at work. No. Um, <laughs> so it's like, well, I can get it to you, you know, in a couple days. 
But What's the city where your uh, manufacturing is in China? Uh, we have a few. S- we use several different plants. Um, I think w- the main one is probably Shenzhen. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. That's that's a big printing manufacturing area. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that's the one that's just on the border with Hong Kong. So yes. if you go up through Hong Kong, you can pass over into the border to Shenzhen, and it kind of just bleeds into it. Yes. Yeah. 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 And there, and I mean, there are different rules that that border is a tricky thing. The special oh. economic zone. Um, yes, on <laughs> on one side of it, you can you can print maps and anything you want, and on the other side, you have to be careful. Oh. Um, so oh, so we also yeah. have to know about the content of all of our books and where we place them. And the same goes for printers everywhere. Some mm-hmm. printers don't like printing certain content. Yeah. Um, yeah. They don't want to run it through. Um, so. interesting yeah so you have to be you have to you know work with your editors to make sure they understand like what needs to be flagged so we can place it is that mostly like uh political or like Um, sexual violence the the biggest the biggest one is sexual violence sexual Um, violence well sexual and violence (laughs) 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 put them both together Uh, yeah they're not not combined together but sexual (laughs) and violent um those are the biggest red flags nudity a lot of nudity. Um, I mean, because you work with artwork. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it's graphic novels. Yeah, graphic um, novels. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, nudity gets flagged. Um, and in China, maps. I don't understand it. I don't. Is I it because... Um, because they're very strict. Who belongs to who kind of thing? Um, partially that. But, I mean, like, we have... <laughs> They'll they'll print it, but it has to go through like a almost two month approval process. And it's like you have to make sure that no one here sees this sort, sort of, of yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know why the. Is it any map or is it just maps of Asia? Well, we're gonna go ahead and say any map because uh, we. You never know. We you never know, and we recently struggled a bit with a big fantasy map. Interesting. Yeah, where we were like, this is not a real place. This is not a real map. Like, why does it need to be approved? And it, it needed to go through approval. Um, That's fascinating. For a, for a fantasy world. For, what? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Um, so, and, and things are changing. If um, anyone knows about why that might be, please email us. <laughs> please email me at emily at hybridpubscout.com because I want to know. Well, well, part of it is the current political climate in China is clamping down. And well, so absolutely. everything is being... Um, scrutinized much more heavily so things more heavily yes yes very much so i lived there 10 ish years ago okay and i mean i can understand why it would be an issue with real world Mm -hmm. maps Mm -hmm. because of all of the uh issues yeah issues Mm -hmm. with um belonging i guess i'm thinking of taiwan in particular yes but a fantasy world is I guess I can see why it might be an issue of like subtext and encoded messages that they'd be concerned about, but I'm, that's fascinating. I don't know. Um, and I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't know all of the details. I just know how we have to be flexible and work around them. Sure. Um, and try to anticipate them so that things can come out on schedule. Wow. Huh. Mm -hmm. That's very cool. Yeah. I mean. It's I mean, probably it's kind of annoying. This is part of the obnoxious <laughs> section. It it is. It is a little bit of the ino- obnoxious section. But I'd but love to. I'd love to know more about that. Yeah. Okay. Um. Da, da, da. Did you did you like? No. <laughs> no. I actually. Did you like comics and graphic novels? Not everyone can see the outline, um, Jessica. <laughs> let me just jump. In. No, I actually didn't. Um, I I hadn't really ever read them. Um. The most exposed I had been was like vague understandings of you know like Batman Marvel and Marvel super- superhero yeah or the the big DC, whatever Marvel blah, blah, blah. and DC and I'm super not into interested in superhero cape comics like me neither. no I just I just don't it it does not interest me um so I'd never read any graphic novels um n- and and I still don't so much like they're I like them on occasion. But it's not my preferred reading format because right. I do read pretty quickly. And so for me, a graphic novel never quite feels fulfilling. 
Because you're just kind of scanning the words because rather I, than getting absorbed in the because images. The, yes, because the images mean less to me than the words do. And so, like, and I do enjoy what some of what we do now. Um, when I Have you really picked up anything that you find you like? Um, you know, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed Red Sonia. What's so that? So it's a comic. Um, and... At first, I, I think I picked it up out of, like, a hate read, because uh, she's, like, a barbarian Amazonian woman oh, with, like, and it's improbably like, perky breasts, mm-hmm. and she's wearing a chainmail bikini. Um, it's like a Jabba the Hutt, kinda, Princess Leia situation. Um, a little bit. She's a little more assertive and a little less Princess Le- you know, like... Well, yeah, Princess Leia was not... in. It was against her will that she was yeah, wearing that. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, Red Sonia is actually, like, super kick-ass. Cool. Um, yeah, she, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it and how much I still, like, I'll pop in and read a, you know, a little issue every now and then. Fun. Um, I don't think it's still going on, oh. and I know that we are not publishing it, mm-hmm. but I was surprised at how much, you know, at first I was like, God, what is this? Like, this is so dumb. And and I will say, like, the art is still, like, her her boobs are just improbably perky. Like, that's not how <laughs> the, the, the representation body. is problematic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Whatever. <laughs> it's, it's dumb. Like, why would you go fighting if you were in a bikini? Like, none Wear of your a sports bra, you idiot. Like, none of your important parts are, like, protected. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> this is highly impractical. This is, yes, this is so <laughs> impractical. Um, but I like her story. She is super kick ass. She doesn't care. Um, she does what she wants. Uh, she like does the right thing, even at a cost to her. And she's a hero. She's a hero. Nice. Um, she and she's also like doesn't take any shit, um, which is super cool. It's not. It's not necessarily a brooding hero or anything like right, that. She's, right. She's out to kick some ass and drink some beer and. Nice. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. I'm I'm interested um, then. So that that was one that I actually read all everything we had and was like, wow, I really like this. Do you get a good discount? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. Everything. Said. Every, yeah. <laughs> um, everything digital is free, so I can. Oh wow. Yeah, so I can find out what really interests me. And, and you don't mind reading digital, like no. a lot of people who love physical books. Yeah, I'm not um, particular about how I read anything. Um, mm-hmm. I actually have started to prefer digital first. Um, one, it's easier for me to carry around. Yes. Um, and I've moved enough to never want to move books ever again. Fair. Um, so you lived in Afghanistan and also Germany, right? Yeah, I, I was in Virginia and then Germany and then Afghanistan and then Germany and then Virginia and I finally made it back here. <laughs> um, and I mean, I was lucky. Like I, the military actually moves you and so they packed right. up my stuff, but. Then when I had to do it myself, I, I that was because you end up with all that stuff when you're out of the yeah, military. Yeah, and then and I'm responsible yeah. for it. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it it the physical books that I have, um, are physical books that I want instead of just accumulating a whole bunch of books. Right. The ones that I have are ones that I actively like have read either through a library book or an ebook, and I actually want it physically. So you almost vet your books yes. before you buy them. Yes, very much. I don't buy a whole lot of books anymore. Um, yeah, not not physical books. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've actually met a lot of people who love reading mm-hmm. who do exactly the same thing. Yeah, as you do. Um, yeah. I mean, what can you do? There's so much content right now. There's there's so much going on and you can't ever like read it all or watch it all or hear it all. Like there's there's a lot. So you got to be a little picky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I find that um, I mean, I'm less picky than you are, obviously, because I will buy something before I've read it. Um, I try uh, after this whole Amazon thing, I've realized I can't completely dissociate from Amazon just no. because especially because I'm trying to support indie authors. Yeah. Um, but my one thing that I'm really trying to do now is only buy literary fiction from a bookstore mm. when I read yeah. it or get it from a library before I read it and then buy it later. But that's I it's mean, hard. It's hard. It's hard. It's to hard. Do. It's, ex- it's expensive. It takes time. Mm-hmm. It's inconvenient. But um you know you have to have some 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 sort of moral compass at some yeah, point yeah no I uh I I'm 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 pretty sunk with Amazon now um, yeah yeah it's, it's, it's hard to disentangle 
I'm just um, trying to be real utilitarian about it at yeah, this point. Yeah, I it's try. like, okay, this is the one thing I can do that is so, like, w- because we have Powell's. Yeah. Like, true, true. Yeah, it, if, I, if I didn't have Powell's, I would just give up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's because it's hard to be like, well, I want to support a local bookstore, but lots of times. They just have used. Oh, I'm not a used book person. So I'm also not precious about books. Mm-hmm. Um, I. You don't care how good of shape they're in is that what you there, mean or? there isn't a whole lot of um like want to keep it or like an object of reverence or you know when people are like oh don't right. dog ear the pages oh or, yeah no you know all of that all of that kind of stuff it is just it is an object to me um it's not not something that i like revere you know i i'm not i understand there's mm. things we can talk about later that i can't talk about on yeah, I'm not necessarily a, oh, books are, you know, the smell of them is just so transporting. Well, you know I would kick you out of my house if you said that. It's not important to me. You're smelling chemicals. <laughs> you're sniffing glue. You're you're smelling the glue and the ink and some of the paper and, like, old books smell that way because they're decaying. Um, I drive a, I, I have a hard line on that. So, yeah. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not one of, I'm not a romantic person so you do buy ebooks like yes yes yeah less now but i do buy ebooks um more and more i've been trying to go to the library and get them first before i spend money on something you know you can get ebooks i know as soon as i found that out i was like oh i can't fight it anymore (laughs) gonna have to wake up that library card hey everybody did you know you can get ebooks from the library Mm -hmm. go get ebooks from the library yeah it's called overdrive Use your libraries. Get it. Um, it's it's an awesome program. Um, yeah. And then if I like it enough to want to reread it, because I do reread books um, regularly. I love it. So Well, this is yeah. probably a good time to get into what you're reading, because oh, you told yeah. me you're rereading a series right now. I am. I reread it multiple times a year. Really? They're, they're quick little books. They're fun. That's like how I watch archer like five thousand yeah, times yeah it's, it's just like a, it's a comfort rereading your, thing yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah so i'm i'm currently rereading the rivers of london series by ben aronovich and that's urban fantasy right it's it's urban fantasy yes so it's uh set in london um and it's a, a new police officer who finds out that magic is real um is that like the concept of a lot of urban fantasy Maybe it's because I've heard a lot of urban fantasy is like kind of getting into it is like magic exists on like just like a half half beat out of step with real world. So it's all surface. So it's all around you and you just don't notice. So he he finds out that magic is real and he joins the only other like detective in London who's going to train him. Um, And so he's like an apprentice wizard in the police force and they deal with all of this supernatural stuff and. He's like super snarky and um which is your thing. Which is my thing. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's pretty irreverent and tongue in cheek and it's British, so that's awesome. Yeah, um, you're not the first person to tell me that that series is amazing. It's, so It's a lot it's it's just so much fun. Um mm-hmm. it's good to read. The story is actually really good. So, yeah, I I definitely recommend it. I recommend checking it out. And it's it it's just such a like comfort read for me at this point. Nice. Um I don't have to pay a crazy amount of attention and I don't feel like, oh, I have to read all night because I don't know what's coming up next. But it hits your, yep. Yeah. It's yeah. your trope points. Yeah, exactly. Um, so and you read Stone and Fire. I have read it. It was fun. <laughs> I'm uh, learning more about that particular brand of romance. Rivers Harrow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you should start reading the Phoenix Cry books. Those are the Phoenix the, were, the werewolf. Okay, ones. cool. Yeah, I'll get yeah. that name from you later. The Rogue Witch series is what it's called. Sweet. Yeah, yeah, get it. I'd be into that. Um, and then you have another book that you're reading right now. Yeah. Um, Proust. 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 Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> Proust and the Squid. So it's your brain on reading. So it's neuroscience. You made it sound so hip. <laughs> This is your brain on reading. It is, I think that's Yeah, I think that's like the tagline. Um, but it's it, it is it goes into the neuro- neuroscience on how your brain changes while reading, um, and how it's evolved and how it continues to evolve now that people are reading differently mm-hmm. and on different materials. So, um, I've just started it, but it it's super fancy and nerdy. 
mm-hmm. there like some kind of fact or hook that kind of dragged you into it and made you go, oh, I didn't know that. You know, I think Abby recommended it. I remember. Um, yeah. I, I read it, but I f- literally forgot everything about it, except that we weren't made to read. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> like we were made for story, but we weren't made to read. Yeah. Um, and and I, Abby recommended it, but I like neuroscience and psychology and how right. your brain rewires itself um, for all kinds of things. So mm-hmm. uh, that kind of hits one of those interest points for me is is I'm not necessarily big on like self-help and psychology stuff. Right. But I mean, it's not really self-help, is it? Like No, no, this one isn't. But there are a lot of, you know, you could read about neuroscience Neuro, and that like kind of thing biohacking yeah yeah, that, yeah that doesn't interest me as much but this one it's it's been good so far granted i you know i just started it but um yeah you know great read for fun read for expansion <laughs> so you've got like one simultaneously with the other mm-hmm. yeah and i only do that if i'm rereading something um, right because it's it's like a rerun you have in the back of your head. <laughs> so you got to eat your vegetables with your yeah like, yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> okay so i am um according we had a little twitter thing uh the whole goal was to make corinne read something that she actually liked because she kept kind of getting mired in books oh no Is because she... literary fiction she's a little more uh, into that yeah i don't read um, that I mean, I do as well, but, um, so we were trying to like pick a book where that we would be forced to read. Okay. Um, and one that I kind of just threw in there and didn't think people would vote for cause we did a Twitter poll. Mm-hmm. Um, we had, uh, the incendiaries by R.O. Kwan, okay. um, which I bought anyway, cause I really wanted to read it. Nobody voted for that one, which I thought was interesting cause I would have voted for that one myself. Um, N.K. Jemison, the fifth season. Heard of it. I yeah. actually own it. Haven't read it yet. Um, and then um, one that I threw in there. Oh, what's it called? It's two words. It's well, <laughs> it's not stay away because that's a Dan Kayon short story book. Um, it's by Sarah Grant. It's a suspense okay. book about, a, I think, a woman who thinks she's possessed or something. Okay. Um, got one vote for that one. And then the other one was Florida by Lauren Groff, who wrote Fates and Furies. Oh, okay. Um, which is also a short story collection. So we got the equal, uh, we got an equal amount of votes for uh, fifth season Mm -hmm. in Florida. Okay. And so I'm starting with the fifth season, which is a fantasy uh, series. Mm -hmm. And she's won the Hugo award. Yes. Like every year. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, this is for a person who mostly reads literary fiction. This is a very, very highly acclaimed Mm -hmm. fantasy series. So maybe we should like try something new, but I didn't expect everyone to vote for it. I did expect Brie to vote for it. And of course she did. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I mean, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to starting it. Great. I, uh, I'm really enjoying it. I'm about, I'm 300 pages in. It's like 450. I, uh, I took some self-care this week because Mm -hmm. it was an off week Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to read for two hours every night. Yeah. Not every night, two nights ended up being, but yeah, it's, um, it's not something I'm used to. It's not very, I feel like sometimes fantasy when I do try to read it, not urban fantasy, high fantasy, they'll Mm -hmm. try to introduce too many concepts in a very, pretentious sort of way oh yeah yeah it, it definitely it's like this is our language mm-hmm. this is what our characters are called yeah it's a fine line between dropping you in and expecting you to just figure it out or a whole lot of exposition um, right so it's yeah it's tough to and somehow she manages to just balance it perfectly Good. and um i'm really enjoying it awesome yeah so yeah yeah if you if you like urban fantasy you're already kind of yeah. like open to that i would imagine yeah so yeah I, I mean like i said i own it i just haven't been in the oh new book kind of a mood yeah i really so. like it it's um i think for you there's a there's a particular character that i really like that i think you will also really like and so once you start reading it let me know and okay i'll ask you i, I bet who you think it is <laughs> i i bet we'll uh we'll be on the same wavelength yeah probably okay well um is there anything else you want to talk about here no buy books buy books yeah 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 and ask questions 
try not to buy them from Amazon, but it's better than nothing, right? Yeah, For the well publishers. That's, that's uh, <laughs> You know, my thing is there's no wrong way to be a reader, so... You, you buy them. Read those from, cereal boxes. From wherever you can. <laughs> you you buy your material from wherever you can afford to get your material. And wherever you happen to be. And wherever you happen to be. Yes, just read. That's please, one big thing. Please read books. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, um, you can find Hybrid Pub Scout. Uh, thank you, Jessica. Oh, thank you, Emily. Thank you so much for coming in here. Um, hybridpubscout.com is our website. You can go there, sign up for the newsletter. Um, you'll get uh you'll you'll get our episodes as soon as they come out you will also get first uh dibs on corinne's very clever articles that she's uh she's creating that don't get posted until like a couple weeks later nice so it makes it fun um also reviews i'm going to start doing reviews again i did those in the beginning but um we're going to do that also especially for indie publishers that's oh yeah uh, indie publishers indie books that's important Mm mm-hmm and then we're on Facebook at Hybrid Pub Scout. And then we're on Twitter at Hybrid Pub Scout. And it's it's fun. It's fun. If you're on if you're on Twitter, that's the most fun you're gonna have on Twitter because Twitter's rough. Hmm. <laughs> I don't I, I'm not on Twitter. We're also on uh SoundCloud, uh iTunes, Podbean, and TuneIn. Oh, and Google Play. Lots of options. Yeah, all kinds of options. It's a fresh, happy world. And also, like, if you're going to tell me, like, oh, you should get on blah, 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 just give me a couple of months because apparently these things cost money. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Be patient, people. Anyway, we hope to see you around. And thank you, Jessica. Yes. And thanks for giving a shit about books. Yeah. Yeah.